Hello, 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 and welcome to More Than Money, a show that explores the psychology, emotions, and math of money so you can make better, smarter choices regardless of where you are on the income and wealth spectrums. I'm your host, Jaquette Timmons. Today's episode kicks off another multi-part conversation. This time, though, we are going to focus on talking about questions. Have you ever heard the quote, if you want the answer, ask the question? This seems so simple and straightforward, and yet, how often do you resist asking questions? especially when it pertains to money. Now, given my line of work, I do indeed get asked a lot of questions, often, but rarely ever do people come up to me like filled with joy, so proud to ask me a question. More often than not, it's rather sheepishly done. And this is true whether the question is because the person wants or needs information, the person wants or needs to get an opinion or advice, or they're looking for some help or permission. And when I say permission, they're not looking for me to give them permission, but they're looking for the space that asking the question creates for them to give themselves permission about perhaps what it is that they want or what it is that they need or what it is that they want to do. And from where I sit, the person's question is very, very common, mostly because I hear it quite often. But for the person asking the question, it feels very, very personal. And they either feel like they are the only one without an important answer, or they feel like they actually should know the answer because of their education or because of their profession or their family background. And what you and I sometimes forget is that what makes a question personal isn't the question. It's actually the answer. So for the next few episodes, we're going to talk about questions, starting with today's episode where we are going to focus on the questions that I get asked the most. And they're not presented in any particular order other than the fact that I try to cluster those questions that have something in common. But before we dive into this list that I have for you, I want to go over a question that I do indeed get asked often by small business owners and entrepreneurs. And that's the question of, what should I charge for this? And the way that you price your products or services as a business owner can make or break the sustainability of your business. Your prices can be the difference between living and working comfortably and constantly worrying about your finances. And I really do wish that I could answer everyone's pricing question with a simple formula and just give you a spreadsheet that you can plug some stuff into, an equation that made it just another math problem. But A, it's not how life works, it's not how money works, and it certainly isn't how pricing works because all of it is about more than numbers. It's not entirely logical, and it is incredibly emotional. 
And so since I can't give you a formula to solve your pricing problem, I wanted to devise a way that we could tackle pricing from all sides, the financial, the emotional, and the personal. And I realized that the best way to do this, the best way to explore the many sides of pricing and pricing your unique genius of what it is that you do was to actually do it together. So I wanted to pause here and invite you to In the Zone, How to Price Your Genius, a one-day small group retreat about how to price your genius and become more confident in what it is that you charge. During In the Zone, we will examine the different relationships that influence the prices that you charge and how each impacts your bottom line and your personal financial health as well. This happens live and in person in New York City. There's learning, group discussion, self-reflection, and breakout conversations. And by the end of the day, you will have a pricing strategy you're confident in. Last week, I created a quick training slash sneak peek video so you can get a taste of what you can experience and expect day of. So to go and watch that video, go to jaquettetimmons.com forward slash hidden dash impact. Again, jaquettetimmons.com forward slash hidden, H-I-D-D-E-N dash impact. All right. Now on to today's topic and focused. Listen, everybody, and I do mean everybody, regardless of where you fall on the income or wealth spectrums, has money or money-related questions. And the way that it typically works is that you get one answer, one question answered, I should say, and that begets another question that you have because now you're dealing with a new set of circumstances. And that's true for these questions that I'm about to share with you as well as others. But here's the list of the nine questions that I do indeed get asked the most by a broad spectrum of people. And once more, they're not listed in any particular order, but I did attempt to cluster them in terms of their nature. And as I go through each of them, I will share with you, you know, some stats and as well, you know, just my common response when that question typically surfaces. So the first one is, should I pay off debt or should I save? And I know that my position on this is not popular. I've shared this in other episodes. And what I've shared in other episodes is that I don't believe that debt in and of itself is bad. At the end of the day, it is what allows people to buy homes, to buy cars, to go to college or to send their children to college, to start businesses, etc. And we must not lose sight of the fact that much of capitalism relies on debt. That said, there's no escaping the fact that many people are drowning in debt and they feel overwhelmed by both the total balance that they are carrying as well as the demands of the monthly payments that they need to make, especially when this pertains to credit cards and student loans. You may not know this, but I think this is a really good uh, stat to be aware of and is what leads to this question of should I pay off my debt or save? And that is that according to the New York Federal Reserve, consumer debt has reached, at least as of 2018, $13.5 trillion. So again, 
it makes the question, should I pay off debt or save, a very reasonable one. But I think it's the wrong question (laughs) because my answer is always the same. Do both. It should not be an either or proposition. Instead, I really highly recommend that people take a both and stance, even if it means that it will take you a little bit longer to get to a zero balance with regards to that outstanding debt. And as well, if it means that you need to just start small when it comes to saving. So that's the first question. Should I pay off debt or save? The next question, and it's related, is how should I pay off my debt? I get that question a a lot as well. And again, my suggestion may not be in the popular camp um, because it's tempting to want to tackle your debt by focusing on the one that has the highest APR, the highest interest rate. But your efforts will actually gain a little bit more momentum if you apply the snowball method. And this is when you prioritize the debt that has the lowest outstanding balance, regardless of the APR. And then once that's paid, you take the amount that you had been paying towards that and you apply it to the next credit card or to whatever the other loan is until you have everything fully paid. So that's question number two, how should I pay off my debt? The next question is, how can I improve my credit score? And despite what some would have you believe, there really is no magic solution here. (laughs) You improve your score by paying your bills, paying your bills on time, and lowering your credit utilization ratio. The next question, the fourth question that I get, uh, and again, this is not in any particular order, but the fourth one is, should I refinance my student loan? And my whole thing is this, whenever you can lower the interest rate that you're paying, by all means do so. However, don't lower your monthly payment. Instead, keep your payment at the same level that you were paying when the interest rate was higher so that your monthly payment is going toward making a larger dent in what it is that you owe. So that's number four. The fifth question is, how much should I save for my emergency fund? And you've likely heard the wisdom that suggests that you save three to six months of your living expenses. And that is certainly a good guideline. However, so much depends upon your particular situation. For example, are you single or are you married? Are you in a single income or dual income household? Are you the breadwinner? Do you have children? What are their ages? Are they getting ready to go off to college? Do they go to private school? Um, Is your employment or your business generating consistent and, and steady income? Or does it fluctuate? And to what degree does it fluctuate? And how often does it fluctuate? The more your household depends on you, the more months you may want to be able to cover in the event of something unexpected happen happening that will actually change your income. And that may mean that what you need to set aside is greater than the suggested target of three to six months. Another question, how much will I need to retire? And this is always such a challenging question because there are just so, so, so many variables to it. Like, How much have you saved already? Do you plan to work after you officially retire? 
Who else will you be financially responsible for when you retire? How long will your money need to last after you retire? You know, some actuarials um, at insurance companies, at brokerage firms, at investment management firms, they are actually using as their benchmark 93. And so if you retire at 65, but you live until 93, you've got some extra years there that your money needs to last you. And so um, this question is not just about how much do you need to have at the point of retirement, but it's also how much do you need to have to sustain you throughout retirement. So that's the sixth one that we've just touched upon. The seventh question, and again, not necessarily, you know, the, the seventh question that I get asked the most, it's just how I've, you know, noted them. But the next one is, I don't want to invest because I'm afraid of losing money. Okay, actually, this isn't a question. <laughs> However, it's a statement that stems from a fear about investing and about not wanting to make a mistake and or not knowing whom to trust. And so when someone makes that statement to me, what they're really asking and, and, and really saying is, what do you recommend that will give me certainty and make me feel safe? So I don't get that question that I've just expressed. I get the statement, but really the statement is that question of what do you recommend that will give me certainty and make me feel safe? Another question, can I afford my lifestyle? It may surprise you to learn that I actually get this question mostly from high earners. And sure, sometimes the solution is a pretty straightforward spend less. But if it were really that easy, they wouldn't need to come to me for it, right? Um, but here's the thing. What makes the question a little less straightforward is this. Spend less on what? Because usually the expenses are not extravagant. They are often related to taking care of children and or parents. Therefore, the answer to this is frequently something that involves helping people negotiate and navigate the uncomfortable trade-offs that come with there's a bit of pressure on their cash flow, they've got to make some adjustments to their lifestyle, and where do they do that when they've got particular obligations and roles and responsibilities, etc.? And then I will say the next question, I did save this one for last because it's my favorite question. Um, and that is, how can I change my mindset around money? And here's the deal. By the time, especially on the coaching side, by the time prospects and my coaching clients come to me, I'm not their first stop. Whatever their situation is, they've tried to answer their questions before. Perhaps they've tried to do this on their own. Perhaps they've worked with another professional, but they weren't satisfied with their results and they know that something is missing and that they need something else. And what ends up happening is when they have this like, mm, something's just not quite right, that often sparks an aha, an awareness that part of getting the right answer that is right for them in their particular situation and circumstances involves them needing to explore their relationship with money. 
So as open-ended as the question is of, you know, I want to change my mindset with money or my relationship with money, first of all, I just love it. Um, but I am so glad that people are actually seeing that connection and they're seeing fit to ask it. As I begin to wrap up, here's what I want to remind you of. You can have the same question that needs and requires different answers. And here's what I mean by that. What I find so interesting is you can take each of the nine questions that I've just ticked off for you, right? Should I save or pay off my debt? How should I pay off my debt? Um, how can I improve my credit score? Should I refinance my student loan? How much should I save for my emergency fund? How much will I need to retire? I don't want to invest. I'm afraid to lose my money. What should I do? Can I afford my lifestyle? How can I change my mindset? Pick any of them. Pick all of them. And here's the thing. Three people could ask the very same question but need something different when it comes to the answer. One person could ask the question because they are seeking more data. They need more information. Another person could ask because they're looking for an opinion or they're looking for advice. And yet another person could ask because they need guidance in making a decision or taking an action. And here's the thing, not understanding that distinction between the fact that you could have the same question but really be asking something different depending upon the kind of answer that you need. Is it information? Is it uh, you know, guidance or is it a, an opinion? Not understanding that distinction is one of the reasons that some people resist asking the questions, whether that question is quote unquote a mundane one or one that one would qualify as something that is significant. And I share all of this fully aware that questions can make you feel vulnerable and that's okay. I share all of this fully aware that a question could be difficult to ask because it just feels darn right awkward. I get it. I know I've been there. But here's what I want us to to always just embrace and remember. Never ever is having a question, whether it's about money or something else, never ever is that indicative of a character flaw, is that indicative of you somehow being weak. And I'm emphasizing this because I really do believe that we need to feel less self-conscious individually and collectively about the questions that we have, especially where money is concerned. And that's why I'm dedicating this episode and a few afterward to the power of questions and the courage that it takes to ask them. I want us to embrace the vulnerability of questions and use them to not only make our lives better, but to also make the lives of those we care about better. So today, I focused on those questions that I get asked the most. Up next are the questions that I actually really wish people would ask me. <laughs> so come back for that episode. So 
That brings us to the end of today. And I just want to thank you so much for tuning in and thank you for listening all the way to the end. I really, really do appreciate it because you have many, many choices of other podcasts to listen to. And I'm just so grateful that you include this in your list. And as a reminder to the small business owners out there, if you want to find out more about In The Zone, How to Price Your Genius, the small one-day group retreat that I am hosting on Friday, October 25th in New York City, I invite you to check out the quick training video that gives you a sneak peek. And you can go to jacquettetimmons.com forward slash hidden dash impact Again, jacquettetimmons.com forward slash hidden dash impact. And come and join us, spend the day and learn how to price your genius and become more confident in what it is that you are charging. Again, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. If you don't do so already, you can subscribe via Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And while you're there, please take a moment to leave a rating and a review. And if we're not already connected on social media, let's change that. Just put my name in the search bar, Jacquette Timmons, on either Twitter or Instagram, and let's get connected there and continue this conversation. And maybe you, maybe you can even share with me some of the questions that perhaps you get asked when it comes to money. But until next time, again, thank you so very much. And remember, it is about more than money. 